Hello, welcome to the Healthy Alternatives podcast. I am Dr. Christine Sauer with DocChristine.com. Today's show is a recording of my radio show of the same name. Enjoy! Good afternoon, this is Dr. Christine Sauer, your host of the show Healthy Alternatives here on 97.5 CIOE-FM with live stream on communityradio.ca every Thursday at 12 noon Atlantic Standard Time. Thanks for tuning in today. In this show, I will talk mostly with guests about all aspects of health, healthcare and wellness, from conventional to alternative and everything in between. My mission for this radio show is to help change people's lives for the better by informing them about different options to get and stay healthy and well so they can choose for themselves which option might work in their case. And if you feel you are stuck in a dark place, I want to tell you, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Today I am pleased to be with uh, Roxanne Welch, my friend and author, and of life planner and independent funeral celebrant and a lover of life. <laughs> now, Roxanne, I'm happy to have you today. Thank you, Christine. I'm really happy to be here. Now, uh, let, uh, let me know, you're relatively young. I mean, you're not in the process of dying yet. I hope, well, we are all in the process of dying. How in the heck did you go into the death business? Well, I uh, was in a car accident in 2006, and uh, I was a holistic practitioner at the time of massage therapy and an aquatic therapy, and um, so I was I got a spinal cord injury, and I wasn't able to go back to doing that work, and it's been a very long recovery, and uh, during that time, my mother died, and my mother died with an intestinal intestacy, which means that she died without a proper will. And uh, so she died here in Nova Scotia. And so I had to come back and start dealing with that and uh, trying to settle that. And um, I ended up deciding to move here. And then once I got here, I uh, did a, one of those occupational assessments to see what I might be able to do um, because I needed to recreate my life. And funeral director popped out. And I thought, wow, you know, I've seen that many times in the past and uh, decided that maybe I should pursue that, which gave me the opportunity to observe in a funeral home for a week. And I was so comfortable with that and looked back over my life and saw all of these other signposts that were actually pointing me in this direction. And... Uh, uh, so, you know, my mom died with an intestacy. If she would have spent 250 bucks or whatever to write a proper will, it wouldn't have cost her estate over $16,000 in counting to resolve this matter. And she died in 2011, and it took until last year to get this matter before the court to mm. try and get it resolved. Now, to go to the health part, uh, I know that that is not the main reason you choose to become an independent funeral celebrant. Which, which is really part of what you do is to plan your death ahead of time so that it will be a good transition, not just for your relatives financially, but also for yourself. And uh, part of this is, is what I do too, is to help people live healthy until they die. 
And I think it's important to plan your health and plan your death because if you don't plan a good death, you can't have a good life, isn't it? I absolutely agree with you. And uh, that's what was the inspiration for me writing the books, uh, Planning for a Good Death, the User's Guide and Workbook. It's 16 modules and, mm. um, you know, there's there's three sections to it. Uh, the first one is just a bunch of lists and details that everybody needs to, to you know, pull together so it makes that easier for for when you do die and for the people that need to, you know, file your paperwork and do all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But part two of the section of the books is uh, a very self-reflective process and it's getting in touch with the meaning of one's life because in my research I found out that people often wrestle in the active stage of dying with whether or not their life had any meaning and that to me is a really interesting time to be wrestling with that. I think in order to really embrace life and be fully living it, uh, we need to get in touch with that well before uh, we're dying and uh, so that we can embrace life and mm. live it to the fullest. And, and, I, and I understand where you come from. I worked with dying people at the VG2 here and nobody says I wish I work harder. And it is kind of too late when you're on your deathbed to reflect and say, all my life I climbed that mountain, I'm up there looking down, I climbed the wrong mountain. Right. And that's regret and nobody wants to have regret and it's good what you do to help them plan. Exactly. And in the planning and, and reflecting on so many of the elements related to it, whether that's your bucket list, whether that's your the heart letters, the communications you want to be able to express to your, the people who have loved you and been on your life's journey with, um, I think those are very important things to identify early on mm -hmm. and uh, so that you can clear up any regrets so that if there is something that's kind of niggling at you that you you can do something about it instead of um, taking all of that with you as almost baggage mm -hmm. in a way uh, through the process of death. When when you're dying, there's so many other things going on. It's like easing the burden for yourself and also easing that for mm -hmm. uh, the people that are with you during that time. Really, the earlier somebody plans for their death in a way or their life, or, the better it is because... Many people go through life, and you've seen it probably all the time, and look at uh, their life, and they go from day to day, pays, paycheck to paycheck, sit at the TV at night, watch something nonsense, and never have an idea why they're on this earth. Yes, it seems to be the case for many people that that happens. And um, yeah, uh, and, and I think all the while they feel this place maybe inside, but they don't know how to address it. Mm -hmm. And so that's why it's really important to self-reflect. And of course, you know, if you think about it, we spend more time planning for a wedding or for Christmas dinner than we do for end of life, yet everybody is going to die. So there's no, you know, you don't have to wait till terminal diagnosis to do this work. You can mm -hmm. start today. When you talk to people, do you find that many people feel like, I really want to leave a legacy, something that I can be remembered as, as something, somebody that uh, I want to look, my relatives to look back and say, oh, yes, my grandma, she was so-and-so. 
Well, I think some people are a little bit shy to maybe name um, how they want to be remembered uh, because, you know, we're not encouraged in our culture to really uh, celebrate who we are. Mm. And uh, that's what I love about the middle section of these these books is uh, that exploration of being able to admit that to ourselves, number one, mm-hmm. um, and then decide what we want to share with somebody else about that, about how we want to be remembered. And I think that's a really important important part. Yeah. You know, it's part of self-love and uh, self-forgiveness if there's anything that's niggling there. So what exactly do you do? Say I hire you as a death planner. What would you lead me through? What process would you lead me through? Well, I would generally want to encourage you to pick up the books and they're still on sale to, sure. for $19.99 until the end of March. Um, and it's a very uh, in-depth step by-step comprehensive uh, program, including a budgeting module so that you can also plan for how, you know, the expenses will go. Mm-hmm. And um, so what I would do then is when somebody's really ready to do that planning, of course, doing that with me is going to bring up uh, unique and individual questions um, that a person may have because we're all unique mm. and we're all so different. Certainly. And so part of the planning process is, you know, trying to get in touch with, well, okay, so this is, you know, the body disposition method you want. And there's so many options, like Uh people really need to get out of the box in their thinking, um, because there's so many different ways now, instead of just going through a funeral home or, or having a religious ceremony, if that's not what you really want to have. Um, So green burial is an option and people are interested in, oh, what what is that? It's definitely more environmentally friendly. Um, So I would have discussions around that. And Uh, I'm not particularly attached to any way that you might want to do that for you Mm -hmm. um, because I'm here to encourage you to get your need met and uh, and facilitate conversations with your family members if if you want that as well. So, yeah, I'll help draw out some of the things that uh, might be more difficult to talk about. And because I have experience facilitating healing, um, I just hold really sacred space and respectful space for for the journey because sometimes it can be emotional for people it certainly can so at what stage of life do people typically come to you or pick up your book and well I'm starting to see it uh, like I was just for instance on the sick boy podcast uh, recently and uh, it's a younger demographic and I was really surprised at how many people got in contact with me after that Mm -hmm. Um, so it just really varies and ultimately I think what it is is the people who really get it that they need to do some planning in advance or they want to know how to have those conversations or how to start them and often you know people will say to me oh you know my my uh, my mom is a baby boomer and you know is 80 years old and won't talk to me about this and then I'll say well you know did you do your planning and they go no and I said well nobody wants to be told what to do so maybe you need to start with yourself mm-hmm. that's a good good thing it's a good thing everybody should really start as early as possible exactly because we're all gonna die it's, yeah. it, it shouldn't come as a surprise really and and it's quite interesting. Uh, always myself, I was depressed even as a child, and always thinking of suicide. So the t- topic of death was quite familiar. And I remember when we were in medical school in the first year, there was a course offered planning your death, basically, and we all wrote our obituary, and it was quite interesting. 
And I think they should do that here too. Absolutely. And certainly by going through the self-reflective process in part two of the books, uh, you get in touch with your personal history and some mm. of those things. And then it makes it easier to be able to write the obituary or at least, at least give some clues about uh, who you want to write that for you and what you want them to write about you uh, based on your values and, and what's been important to you and mm -hmm. the important people in your life. And, you know, so often I see obituaries written in the paper and they just look like a cookie cutter and mm -hmm. it's like it doesn't really tell anything about you. And um, there's so much to know. I've heard so many times at funerals how people have come and said, wow, I came here because I learned something about this person that I've known for 20 years and never knew this about them. And I'm so glad that I know that about them now. And it's like, mm -hmm. well, why are we waiting for that? We could mm -hmm. have a living funeral and, and talk about all those things. Well, that is an interesting idea, a living funeral. What do you do at a living funeral? Well, that's where you, if you know you have a terminal diagnosis or you may be choosing MAID, uh, medical assistance in dying, uh, as a, a, a way to exit. Um, you can invite all your friends and uh, share the love. Tell them how much you appreciate them and how what a difference they've made in your life. And then be open to receiving that kind of feedback mm. back. And I think that that's just such an amazing healing experience to be able to share in an authentic way from our hearts with each other and have those opportunities. Because I think we don't have them often enough. I think that is a very great idea. And maybe even if we don't have a terminal diagnosis, we should consider doing something like that, even if we call it a celebration of life. Certainly. Yeah, I like that. And I think that There's a nice thought to end up the first part of the broadcast and go to the break. And uh, uh, here on 97.5 CRE FM, and please tune in after the commercial break for more with Roxanne Welch about an interesting topic, how to celebrate life and death. Hello and welcome back to Healthy Alternatives here on 97.5 CIOEFM or on the web at communityradio.ca. I'm your host, Dr. Christine Sauer, and I'm with today's guest, Roxanne Walsh, funeral planner, independent celebrant, end of life planner. What a profession. Thanks for having us back, and it was a pleasure to talk in the first half a little bit about what you do, and tell us a little bit more. I know people grieve differently, and even if you lose a pet, we lost our dog today. Uh, it, it is a process of grief you go through if you spend your life with somebody for some time, if it's a dog, cat, or a person. Of course, it's worse when it's a person, especially as a child. And... Uh, I, I like the idea very much that you purport to plan for it and then celebrate. Tell, tell us a little bit about that. About uh, how we celebrate? Uh, how, how you celebrate life in death. Yeah. Well, um, 
It's like you said, it's an individual journey, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, how we are impacted by one person's death or one pet's death um, could be different than the next person or the next pet um, because everybody is so unique and different and our relationship with each other is so unique and different. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think too, it's also really important to give ourselves that time and space to be able to feel all of our feelings around grief. Mm -hmm. uh, my cat died in November. Sorry. Yeah, it was November. Mm -hmm. And my dad died in September of last year. And mm -hmm. uh, both very different events and both very different kinds of relationships. And I found that for me, uh, because what happens physiologically is that we move into the limbic system when there's a death, because mm -hmm. we're shocked and, uh, you know, we're emotional and that's why it's hard to make really good decisions. Um, when you are trying to make plans after somebody's died, mm. uh, better to do it ahead of time. But anyway, um, yeah, it's a very real experience and it's hard to kind of have a grasp because we're not in our frontal cortex thinking logically. And so, um, it's, what I found in my journey was to just be really, really present with the feelings that were coming up, not try to stuff them away mm. or try to make them go away or deny them or ignore them, but just to be really present with them and mm. go deeply into them. And I found that if I got into a situation where I wanted to try and ignore them, it took a lot more of my life force energy to try and resist that than it did to actually just be sit, sit and be present with that and go through the experience and then come out on the other side, feeling lighter and mm -hmm. uplifted and feeling a deeper bond or connection with that person or that pet, um, you know, after the experience of going through it. Yeah, and that probably depends a lot on what you believe. I mean, there's different ways to perceive death in different cultures. And I know you have some experience. You told me a little bit about it. I can tell from the German way to celebrate or do a funeral, it is very different from here. There is no viewings because in Germany it's not legal to uh, put a body, embalm them for environmental reasons because in Germany they have less space so a grave is only good for 20 years and if you want to keep it, the, uh, your relatives have to pay again to keep it. And mm. if there's not enough relatives interested, well, you just get uh, put out of the grave and somebody else gets it. So that's very efficient, but uh, some people find it uh, weird, but as weird as I found it to see an embalmed person all made up to look uh, nice in a way, uh, to look at in the funeral home. So what's your experience with the different cultures about well, certainly there's a death cafe in Halifax and it's run by a couple of Buddhist women. And mm. uh, when I first started to attend there, I started to understand more about the Buddhist uh, uh, experience with embracing mm -hmm. their mortality and it's a daily contemplation that they have it's uh, because the more we think about our death the more we embrace life mm -hmm. and so uh, it was very fascinating and yes there's different uh, different religious experiences um, and I couldn't go through them all right now um, but even when you look back to First Nations culture um, fascinating it's very fascinating because before colonization before we you know invented this 
this new way of doing death, we they would allow for four days uh, for the body to go through the process of unwinding the soul or spirit from the body. And that's their belief. Um, and, you know, and they believe in the four directions, mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual. So it's this fuller process. Now, um, if, and you, you mentioned an interesting thing about uh, the embalming part. Um, embalming is not a legal requirement. And it's legal in Nova Scotia and in most jurisdictions for families to act as their own funeral director and to transport the body. So that opens up a whole lot of options. And, you know, it's the way we used to do death before the invention of embalming. And, um, you know, it's I've heard many stories of how, you know, grandma was laid out in the parlor and everybody gathered around and celebrated. And um, grandma wasn't embalmed. Uh, There was probably ice packs around or they cooled the room uh, to make it, um, you know, so that the body doesn't break down as fast because it starts decomposing right away. Uh, But there's ways to manage that and and certainly modern technology to be able to manage that. So um, it's quite possible to still have a viewing, Mm -hmm. but we don't need embalming and it's a carcinogen anyway. And really, when you see what embalming does, and right now there's an exhibition at the Museum of History, those are embalmed bodies, really. They never decay. Are you talking about the Body Worlds exhibit? Actually, those are, it's a form of plastination, and they've plasticized um, all of those parts. And yeah, that's a fascinating process. Yeah, yeah. But the embalming is a first step of it. Oh, okay. And then you fill the vessels with plasticine to make them look good. Because I remember when I was in medical school and Ah. we dissected bodies that were embalmed, basically. It's the only way to get it done in Germany. Yes. Uh, That's how they looked without the vessels nicely looking. Yes. It's quite interesting uh, to realize that, I don't know, why would you want to be embalmed? I don't understand it. But people have their own beliefs and their own right to it but well there's certainly uh, uh, that aspect and it's also um, profitable for the funeral industry as well um, and that's just the truth uh, of it yeah oh yeah and oh, sure, um, certainly many yeah. funeral homes are all about being profitable and there's sometimes practices and probably we've seen it on marketplace and other TV shows how they take advantage of grieving people that where people have not prepared their funeral or the life for the... So that's interesting. And not all funeral directors are like that, right? No, no, um, no, no. But, but there are a number of them, and we're hearing more and more stories mm-hmm. about that. Yeah. And and that's why, again, it's important to plan ahead. Because as I was explaining earlier, when you're in the limbic system, you're not thinking clearly, and mm-hmm. it is easy, because you are sitting across from a salesperson, and it is easy to overspend at that time because yeah. you're not thinking clearly. And to be fair, um, these people work for corporations, mostly uh, nowadays not very many independent funeral homes uh-huh. left they're trying to feed their family and they're doing their job certainly as every salesperson does and sometimes I think it, it, it's really a good idea to plan ahead plan your health before your funeral that's always what I say but to it's it's important to also plan for your funeral and even the old Romans knew that memento mori remember that you'll die because as you said with the Buddhist you should really every day think okay if I die tomorrow can I look back be happy and say okay I did what I wanted to do 
And many people can't do that. They say, oh, no, no, I, I'm not done. I have to do so much more. I have to do this and that. I, I, I feel regret that I didn't apologize for this. And that is sad when, when they then actually die and unfinished. Yes. And, you know, uh, as much as we like to embrace our health and do everything possible mm -hmm. uh, to live a long, good life, Yeah, we're going to die. And sometimes we die for reasons that have nothing to do with old age. Sure. And uh, I was just looking at the statistics today. Um, uh, there, 26 people on average die each day in Nova Scotia. I feel really that even the suicide in young people, some could be prevented if death would be more openly talked about and accepted. Yes, you will die, but you have... You nearly need to be grateful for this moment that you still have. You're not dead yet, but you will die. But if you're not looking after yourself today, and you will die a miserable death, and you will be unhappy before you die. I agree, and I think that uh, we could also add to that conversation that, um, you know, we seem so reluctant in our culture to um, in, to allow space for people to be emotional and to experience that part of our lives. As mm -hmm. I was saying, you know, in, for, uh, in First Nations culture, they acknowledged that we have an emotional body, and um, and I really think that sometimes when we don't allow, especially men mm. and boys to uh, be, be real and authentic with their emotions, that that um, be, creates a toxic buildup of emotions that they don't know what to do with and they don't know where to mm. go to get support to be able to release that out of them. And sometimes it just caves in on them and they don't know what else to do. And, and statistically speaking, it's the, there's a higher number of men and boys that commit suicide than women do and mm -hmm. they also are more violent in their Approach. That's why they commit the suicide instead of just trying it. Mm, right. That's and, so true. and we're trying to change the language around that. And I, uh, if I missed that, we're, it's, it's d death by suicide or dying by suicide mm -hmm. um, is more politically correct now. Okay, that's very interesting. <laughs> yes. And really, we come back to the aspect that we should celebrate our life to prepare for death. And this brings me to the end of today's show. Please don't hesitate to contact me with any questions, thoughts, comments or suggestions or if you'd like to contact Roxanne, my email here is christine, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-E at communityradio.ca and I'm always grateful for any feedback. I also wanted to extend a special thank you to today's producer Jim Francis. Thanks Roxanne and what was your name of the book again? It's Planning for a Good Death, and uh, you Definitely. can download that at www.roxannwalsh.ca slash book. Definitely worth doing. Thank you all for listening to Healthy Alternatives. I'm your host, Dr. Christine Sauer. Tune in next Thursday at noon on 97.5 CIOEFM Community Radio with live stream on communityradio.ca for the next episode. Goodbye and have a great day.